Well, as I spoke in the prayer there, our continuation in the book of Romans, if you'd like to join me on page 14, or on uh, chapter 14, our continuation with these last chapters of Romans up until the 16th chapter, we'll, we'll have one more chapter of our reasonable service is what I've titled these last two messages before us in this one and the next one, our reasonable service. This is part C. We'll have a part D when we look at Romans 15 next week. But all these things, and this is our greatest desire, is it not to go about through this world, the valley of shadow of death, and walk according to what our Lord has purposed us to walk, what he has told us to do? You know, he tells us these things for our good. When Jonah ran from the Lord, when he walked, and I'm not going to say against God's will, because nobody does anything against God's will. He allows them to follow what they think. When Jonah ran from the Lord according to God's purpose, that was painful for him. That, that, was, a, that was a costly, costly thing for him to run from the Lord. And so the Lord tells us to walk accordingly for our good. He says, he says in scriptures, if you do these things, good will come unto you. I want good things of the Lord to come unto me, so I want to walk. I want to be loving to my neighbor. I, I know I can't. You all recall the time when I've shared with you many a times in many a messages before, there was neighbors next to us down in North Highlands that just didn't take care of their dogs. I hated that. They'd let their dogs come over and do their thing in our yard, and they would just stand there in the yard and say, <laughs> go over there, go over there, do it over there. And they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't even try to hide that. Tell me how I'm supposed to love that neighbor. My Lord says to love that neighbor. You know, that man who sits in the White House and rules over this country, that's our neighbor. He's our neighbor. Those folks over there in Russia, those are our neighbors. It, if you keep going around the world, you just you know the world is a circle. So you just keep going right around the world, you're going to come to a neighbor no matter where you go. Love thy neighbor. I find that very difficult to do, but I want to. Where, where there was never a want to before, I want to now. I want to now. Do you? Here in this chapter, it deals with our attitude towards one another in regards to disputes, disagreements, in the reference to observance of certain days. and Back in the Old Testament days, there were certain things that folks were supposed to observe. Like, for instance, you, you weren't allowed to eat. You, in observance, was you weren't allowed to eat certain meats. As we know, the Lord took Peter and showed him a big cloth with all kinds of unclean animals and said, here, take, eat. And Peter said, no, 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 I'll never take and eat of those things. This was after Peter had been saved by the Lord. This is after Peter, after the Lord had walked with Peter for all those years. This was after all that time. Peter said, no, 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 I'm not going to eat those things. But it took the Lord to teach him that whatever the Lord said is good is good. And that's what this is talking about, eating certain foods, conflicts over things that are not specifically commanded or forbidden in scriptures. Subjects of conflict may vary today, but the principles laid down here in these words can apply to all. Look at Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. 
That's what that's talking about. Judging one in their weak beliefs. We should welcome the weak believers or the babes in Christ. We don't know where some people stand. At first, it was years before those came to me and, and, and had come to know me as John the Believer. They didn't know me at first. All they knew was some guy would show up here wearing leathers. I bet I scared a few people. I remember a time when a young man come to church, and I believe he's a believer. I know I haven't seen him in a while. I know that he has some mental... He's unstable mentally in some ways. But he scared the pants off of some ladies here once when he showed up in a coat. But he loves to hear the gospel. He loves to hear the gospel. And everything I hear from his mouth is for the glory of God, not of men. So we don't know where he stands with the Lord. Maybe he's a babe in Christ. We should welcome weak believers, babes in Christ, into our fellowship. Not to criticize their opinions at first. Not to... to criticize their convictions. This statement is addressed to the mature, to the strong, knowledgeable Christian, those of us who are strong in the faith, those of us who have studied the Word of God for years and have come to know the experience of grace in our own lives. You see, folks, that's the only thing that drives us to being gracious to others. We compare the graciousness that God has been to us, the the fact that He has saved us by His grace. We are able to be gracious to those around us. Is that not true? That's what this is talking about to those who have that knowledge. If we're instructed to grow in grace in the knowledge of Christ, it can be safely assumed that there are weaknesses to some. There are immaturities to some. Maybe even to ourselves at a time. I remember Bill would mention to me several times as as the Lord uh, moved me into this position. You know, Bill knew me probably better than anybody and I, I, I might even say probably even better than my own wife at times, being my best friend. And there's nothing against my wife. She's a dear friend. You know, she's my best friend too. But some things men can just talk about with men. And he would mention before he died there several times, John, I just can't believe how much the Lord has grown you in the knowledge. And, and you folks yourselves have said this a couple times, like even recently uh, over the past four years. We grow in knowledge. In the knowledge of our Savior and in His grace, we are able to be more gracious. We should be, we should welcome those who are still weak. Receive the weak in faith and the immature into our fellowship. Take notice of them. Bear their ignorance patiently rather than demanding that they know immediately what it took you to learn after years. Look at verses 2 through 9. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him not that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let him not and let and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, and and another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded of his own mind, in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, 
he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. This is why he died. He died that we might be Lord, that he might be Lord of every believer, even those who are weak in the faith, every believer. You know, he's Lord of, he was Lord over us before we were, believed anything at all. Didn't that what I just mentioned in our prayer? Isn't that what we were singing in that song? He's always been Lord. We just didn't know it. He was always my Lord. But when he first began to call me, we were talking about this, Kevin and I, the other day, I think it was. Remember the story of the man he healed, the blind man that he healed, who could barely see what he saw at first were men of sticks that's what this is talking about this is what that's what this is talking about how the lord calls us out of darkness through the preaching of his word and all we saw at first was stick men but as we come to church and as we gather together and as we worship our lord and as we look into his word and and learn more of his grace to us we see the brightness of his glory more and more in his son and it becomes clear and clear and clear. We we don't become better people, but we do see our Lord and Savior with a clearer eye. Look at verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why do you judge your brother? It's easy, isn't it? Is it not easy for us to say, is that one really saved? Could that one who spends their time in a casino gambling, could they be saved? Could that one who I've seen outside smoking a cigarette, could that could that one be saved? That's what judging your brother is. How can you see the heart of your brother? You can't even, folks, we don't even know our own heart. Scriptures tell us, God's word tells us the heart is desperately, desperately wicked. That means my heart is desperately wicked. How can I be judging the heart of this one over here who, who may be smoking or may be drinking or, or whatever it is they're doing? If, if they're still coming to this church and they're listening under the preaching of the true gospel. Now, don't confuse this. There are some points that we want to stand up and judge and discern, and that is a false gospel. If you're telling me that I have to serve my Lord on Saturday because it's a Sabbath day, because it was marked as the day of Sabbath by the, by, to the Jews, then I can dispute that because my Lord says I am the Sabbath. He tells us that we rest in Him, that He's the Lord of Sabbaths. If you tell me that I've got to go into a little box and tell this man who wears an outfit that all my sins and I'll be resolved to my sins. I can tell you right now, that's not scriptural. And I am to judge and discern those things. And we are. But let us not judge one another who come into the congregation, even if they believe differently. Why do we set at not your brother? These words are too strong in faith and Christian liberty to him who apt to be puffed up by his own superior knowledge and to look down on the weaker one. Folks, I tell you, Christ alone is our judge. Look at verse 11. 
For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. This passage is uh, from Isaiah 45, verse 23. It is by Christ that all men shall be judged. Look over at John chapter 5. Hold your place in Romans and turn over to John chapter 5. It is by Christ that all men shall be judged. Isn't that what we read right here in John chapter 5? Look at verse 22. John 5, verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Reading these words, reading these words of our Savior, who makes this declaration, how can you and I, and I'm saying you and I because I do the same thing and come by our nature to judge our brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, that one has fallen. We may have fallen in the flesh, but our Lord will never, ever let us fall into condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. He is the judge he is the judge and the just and the justifier. Turn back to your... Uh, turn, actually, look over Philippians. Go the other direction of Romans to Philippians. And turn over to Philippians chapter 2. This is the one who's judge of all things. This is the one who we read just a moment ago that the Father turned all the judgment over to Him. In Philippians 2 verse 10, we read these words that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow... Isn't that what we just read in our, our verse back there? For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. We're talking about the judge of all things, and every tongue shall confess to God. Here we see in this verse 10, every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in the earth, in earth, and things under the earth. So we see right there, we see that neither we nor our creeds, nor our laws, nor our religious organizations are the judges of believers or unbelievers. Christ is the sole master of judge. That's what we just read there. Now look at verses 12 and 13. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way this is this is our con, this is our conclusion to what we just read in these these first these uh, first verses here let us therefore let us not therefore judge one another anymore but judge this rather that no man putteth a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way let's not set ourselves up as critics or judges of and the conduct of the conduct and lives of other believers let us not spend our time finding fault with one another. It was interesting how in the years that Don Fortner was alive in the world that I knew, it started off with something very little. There were some folks who didn't agree with the way he portrayed the Lord Jesus Christ when the Word said He was made sin. But it grew. From that one claim, they grew and grew and grew, those who were against him in that very one thing. And it finally became to the point where all they looked at him as, 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 a, as a heretic, as one who didn't know the gospel. 
because they could not agree what God meant by he was made sin. Let me share something with you in regards to that. I know many who don't agree with Don Fortner on the depth that he put our Lord, but yet stood right next to him all the way to the end. You say, why would you share that with us, John? Because that's what this is talking about. This is talking about God's people. This is talking about the grace that we show one another. The fact that we remind each other, we remind, we are reminded by God's Word that just because that person stands up and says this, it, I may not agree with it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to claim him to be a heretic. There were men who stood right alongside of Don Fortner and preached from the same pulpit with him right up till the end of his days that did not agree with the way he put that scripture. There are men that I don't agree with on how they put that scripture. But I would never tell one of them not to stand in this pulpit. Because I know they're men of God. And I know they preached across the true and simple gospel. You see, that's what we're to look at our neighbors with. That's what we're to look at each other with, is with the, the form of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ loved you and I so much that he gave his only life. The life that he had in him for you and I, that's the gospel. You and I who deserve nothing from him. You don't deserve anything from me. That may be tough for some of you to take. Oh, you better love me. I've done this for you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this. Christ says, I will love you no matter what. No matter what. Look at verses 14 through 23. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that steameth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he, that it, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify. For meat, for meat destroy... Wait, let's, let's start back at verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that commendeth not himself in that which he alloweth, and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So let me emphasize and dwell upon these things that bring us together in fellowship and to avoid those things which divide. 
Let us, let you and I, preach. That means witness to your friends. Let us practice and discuss those things that build each other up and strengthen men in faith rather than cut them down. Oh, that meat that you're eating, that's that's unholy. No, let's talk about the things that are holy. What is holy? The Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) You see how the subject keeps coming right back around to him? You see how easy he makes this for us? Instead of sitting around wondering, oh, is that what, is what, is what that person over there doing? Is that unholy? Let's think about this. What is holy? Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen to these words, Matthew 6.30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, speaking of those who have little faith, those who come into the faith just, just being babes in Christ, Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he not, not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? How about these words in Matthew 8, 26? He saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and they were great calm. Our Lord shining on us, the faith that we should have is in Him being our Savior, the sovereign ruler of all that is. And then in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and I'll close with this. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. (laughs) As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen.